This is Kingdom Subjects. I'm the host, Elijah, and I was joined for this conversation by Jared Gritters. He's an instructor at Pacific Bible College, and he was recently published for his book, Present Evil, Act of God, which is kind of a group of theodicies explaining how God can exist in the presence of evil, one of the most historic and legitimate philosophical problems for Christians throughout history. We talked about current events and uh, had an all-around really interesting conversation. All right, I'm Elijah. This is Kingdom Subjects. Today I'm joined by Jared Gritters. Jared is an instructor at Pacific Bible College, where he teaches church history along with theology classes like Suffering and Evil. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you've taught here so far? Uh, New Testament, church history, problem of evil, that covers it. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Uh, Jared received his MDiv from Fuller Theological Seminary mm-hmm. and his bachelor's in biblical studies and philosophy, is that right, from George Fox yeah. University here in Oregon. Shout out to George Fox. That's right. <laughs> um, good guys up there. Uh, Gritters teach, yeah, Bible World History uh, at Cascade for 10 years. 10 years, yeah, including AP. I have to throw that out there Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's a lot of work. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of work and construction. Yep, and construction. Started the vocational program, building structures. Yeah, it was good. Most recently, you published um, Present Evil Act of God, Mm -hmm. um, a book that... Kind of a theodicy uh, mm-hmm. or a, a grouping of theodicy. We'll we'll get into that mm-hmm. in a minute. But um, welcome, Jared. To yeah, the podcast. thank you for having me. Yeah, we're we're stoked to have you. Um, so I was first wondering. So just for the listener to know, um, uh, you know this in this subject, I'm I'm quite the layman. I you know I study theology, but it's this is a huge topic. So yeah. when we get into, we're going to be talking about the problem of evil. And when you get into the problem of evil, it's like essentially like the, the biggest topic, mm-hmm. or, you know, argument. it really is the topic of history. I mean, you go back thousands mm-hmm. of years, there's conversations about it. Every religion is in some way organized around trying to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And we have the book of Job that goes back thousands of years and it's one of the most significant writings on the topic. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's the topic the problem, the issue that humans mm. are struggling with. So yeah, it's yeah. yeah. That's something you say in uh, your book. Is I think in the introduction, it, it is the one thing that humanity has in common. Yeah, it's like there's you know I'm gonna actually I'm kind of stealing that a little bit. I'm gonna be teaching the chapel at Cascade this oh, Thursday, yeah. or tomorrow. Yeah, and um, I stay would, strong. Yeah, <laughs> try stay strong when they're whipping <laughs> out their phones. Don't let them sense any fear. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. I'll evoke the name of Jared Gooders. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, I'm teaching that, and and uh, I was thinking about how people are always. I'm not I'm getting off a tangent here, but people are always telling you know high schoolers as they're graduating because I think it's the last chapel for the seniors. Oh, yeah. You know, go out and there's so much opportunity. The world's your oyster. Mm-hmm. Um, something I thought was interesting from your introduction is that the one common denominator is that there's going to be suffering and yeah. there's going to be pain and it's going to be hard. And you know, frankly, there are some people that might not experience as many opportunities as other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the but the Jesus model is to to love thy neighbor and and you know as where I'm going to be talking about. <clears throat> the uh, the good Samaritan, you know, it's just the the neighbor is the person that you come you come you see on the on the path, you know, mm-hmm. in your daily life who's been ransacked and yeah. hurt and what and whatnot. And so as you go out into life, anyways, on the tangent, 
Um, that's what I'm going to be talking about with the students. And I kind of stole that from your book a little mm -hmm. bit. And, and I was curious, what would you just, if you could define for someone who doesn't, they probably know the problem of evil in their heart, but what is the problem of evil? Like the, the, the intellectual problem of evil on the intellectual side of it, there's, it's broken up too. And the nature of the, the academia is, you know, to reduce things into its parts. And so the intellectual side of the argument is about reconciling the fact of evil with the existence of God. That pretty much was handled by Alvin Plantinga all the way back to the 70s. You, you still hear about it on the street, and they were dealing with it philosophically, though. Nowadays, it's the evidential problem of evil. So what academics, intellectuals are dealing with is how they really create a trilemma with God's character, that he's omniscient, omnipotent, and good. So how can he be all three of those and yet evil still exists? If he knows about evil and he's powerful enough to stop it, and it seems like if he's good, he would stop it, mm. and yet it's still here, so he must not be one of those three, and so he must not be God. Mm -hmm. the, the question is set up in that way, and there are an enormous number of responses to that in a, you know, in a variety of ways, philosophical mm -hmm. theological, theodicy is most commonly what you hear. Um, the free will defense. So that's the intellectual side of it. So, and, and just for the listeners, a theodicy mm -hmm. is a, an explanation, trying to explain mm -hmm. how God can exist well with evil, essentially. Right. So theodicy comes from theo dk. So, God, theo is God, dk mm -hmm. is justice. So, what ah. what a theodicy does is justify why God would allow evil either in the first place or still allow it, or you know, what is He doing about mm -hmm. it? And and there's quite a number of those, but mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what I hear you saying is that um, with the, de the kind of our definition of God or, you know, mm -hmm. some people's definition of God, which is omniscient, omnipotent, omnibenevolent, mm -hmm. um, it's, it seems impossible to justify those with the evil. Right. right. And so uh, some of these theodicies might be maybe um, taking one of those O's mm -hmm. away, you know, the, right. the omniscient or, um, you know omnibenevolent and then some might be trying to justify how god can, how those can exist with with evil because uh we'll get into this probably in a little bit like maybe the evils for our benefit like john hicks right you know yeah. soul building soul building or <clears throat> yeah or a reason why he allowed it in the first place a big picture theodicy would be something like felix culpa which means oh happy fall or happy death mm -hmm. um which was a number of authors but uh, Alvin Plantinga most recently used it. And yeah, I'm saying that um, in all possible worlds, um, the best one is one in which the atonement of Christ exists. And the atonement of Christ is only possible uh, with evil happening in the world. And so God doesn't like mm. evil. He doesn't want it. But it's necessary to bring about the best possible expression of his goodness, of his love his omniscience, mm. his omnipotence. And, you know, there's criticisms of that. People go back and forth on, on whether that works or not for mm -hmm. them. But that's an example of a theodicy. It's defending why God would allow evil, why he allows it now, with an explanation of what he's doing about it and why. And I'm sort of steering our perspective so that we're focused on his plan and what he's doing. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to get out of theodicy a little bit because, mm -hmm. uh, for me, I do believe that that's true technically, but it just still felt like there's something missing a little bit. And I think that's when you take the um, <clears throat> the intellectual debate, you know, the trilemma that is set up, 
And they're trying to attack either his omniscience, omnipotence, or goodness. Mm -hmm. You only need to attack one of those intellectually to sort of, quote unquote, bring God down, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But when you bring it down to the street, it's more experiential. It's the evidential. Mm -hmm. It's my experiences in life. The pain that I've suffered makes it seem like God isn't really present. Hmm. It seems like that he's not really doing anything. I see a, a lot of really active people doing a lot of terrible things, but I don't see an act of God intervening and doing things. And that's, you know, I, like I wrote, that came from mm-hmm. my struggle as yeah. well, where I saw a whole lot of worldliness and a whole lot of evil, but not mm-hmm. a whole lot of God. And um, like I said, the problem was that I, it wasn't that I was um, seeing things correctly. It's that I, I wasn't seeing God. I wasn't. I didn't know him. I didn't know who he was. So mm. I, I couldn't recognize him working because I couldn't recognize him. I didn't know mm. who he was. And so um, the the approach that I take is that he is the solution, right? If we could even take Felix Culpa and take mm. that through, is that he himself is the solution to evil. Mm. It's sourced in his character. Yeah. It's sourced in his activity. The more we get to know him, the more we start to see the ways in which he is solving evil. And then that's when my eyes were opened. And mm. that's that's the uh, solution that he gives Job, you know, thousands of years ago. And that's been the, the comfort, the solution, the plan for me that I've seen is that, oh, he, he is actually active in doing things, but it's not in the way that I thought. Mm. And um, if I interrupt me any time, okay, you, you yeah. have a question or something, but to, to give you an idea of where I'm coming yeah. with for that is uh, one of the things that I found for myself and that I've found in conversations with people and just observations is that people a lot of times are looking for an explanation that makes us feel good about the world. Mm -hmm. Like, why does God cause this? Oh, okay, that's a good answer. Okay, I feel better about it now. Mm, And I I think one of the things I realize is that's about me. That's Mm. about my comfort and it's about my satisfaction. It's about me feeling at home with my theology or or Mm -hmm. whatever it it need to be. And of course, being sensitive to the fact that people do need comfort amidst Mm -hmm. pain, which I think God offers. I think um, what we're missing there is that what God is doing is far bigger than Mm. any of that. And that's what he's communicating to Job. That's what he's communicating in Christ. It's not that that's wrong. It's just that it's not enough. There's far more going on. People are far more important. What's going on in this world and the way that it's unfolding is far bigger than just our, I mean, comfort, I guess. And and I don't mean to belittle people's pain or anything. I've been through it too. It's Mm -hmm. just what I'm speaking to is... And I think it's a particularly American issue is um, the temptation to want to get back into, quote, normalcy and just feel good about things again uh-huh. and feel OK, yeah. quote mm-hmm. unquote. Yeah, well evil. said. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't want to feel OK about it. I don't yeah. want to feel good about it. And I should feel nauseous about the terrible things that happened like recently. And mm. so how then to fit that within the larger plan? That's what I was going for. Mm. Okay. OK. I think I'm I think I'm following that. So it's it's a. Uh, Less of a, a theodicy to try try to make us feel comfortable with evil, and and just understand that God is outside of our understanding and in our our time, mm-hmm. and we don't need to feel comfortable with evil and suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that's because He doesn't, right? So right, what, okay. so He's active in Christ. The title comes from Galatians one four. It's like God has rescued us in mm-hmm. Christ. He's rescued us from this present evil age, right? Mm-hmm. So He's saying. This present evil is just for this time right now. His activity in solving the problem of evil is in Christ. If we ignore Christ, 
in the discussion, then we are ignoring his solution. And so that trilemma that's created, omniscient, omnipotent, and good, mm-hmm. it's ignoring, it's, uh, ignoring the presence of God in Christ on earth, the incarnation, and the fact that God mm. did not feel okay mm. about evil. Mm-hmm. He entered into it, suffered from it deeply, right? He was abandoned and mocked and beaten and eventually killed in a very terrible way. And through that, he's redeeming people who will forever, you know, be rescued, as it says in Galatians 1-4, from this present evil age. Mm -hmm. But the process is unfolding because there's still people that he's rescuing, Mm -hmm. right? Some haven't even been born yet. And so he's calling us to persevere, to find our source in him, to find our strength, to find our comfort in him Mm -hmm. amidst it, and to be a part of his plan that's unfolding, um, amidst the world that's evil right Mm -hmm. and so i'm curious how how do you handle so you mentioned in like the second chapter of your book and i haven't finished the book yet um but you you mentioned um the lisbon earthquake Mm -hmm. in 1755 which i think killed like 30,000 yeah estimates are tough but yeah anywhere between 30 and 60 even 100 Mm -hmm. I've heard yeah thousand people yeah and and I wasn't familiar with the Lisbon earthquake I mean Mm -hmm. I've heard the the name but uh it was during a the feast of all saints yeah so there was you know a hundred couple hundred thousand people meeting for mass while the earthquake happened and so they're probably praying and lifting up their their nation their neighbors you know so it's this very strange uh uh what's the word calamity you know just yeah. the, it happens in the, in a in a time where you think god would not allow <laughs> yeah you know this great evil and so i'm curious because i think your uh what you're saying makes sense in the in the case of like moral evil mm-hmm. but how and how do you approach the gratuitous evil yeah. in your book um things that happen that you know like god calms the storm when when he's in the boat with the disciples why doesn't he calm the the earthquake or you know that kind of thing yeah so i'm I'm just curious Mm -hmm. about that yeah good question and voltaire made the point and a criticism to leibniz and and leibniz had passed away at this point but you see leibniz leibniz Leibniz, Leibniz. uh, created the best of all worlds theodicy and his argument was look god is good so in all the possible worlds that God could create, he would create the best one. Mm-hmm. Since this is the one that exists, it's the best one. And mm-hmm. so, of course, the Lisbon earthquake mm. slaps that idea in the face because not only was it just a terrible earthquake anyways, mm-hmm. I mean, on all the scales, somewhere around nine on the Richter scale, compared wow. to all earthquakes in history, it's by itself bad. Yeah. But it happened. I mean, the only probably worse day for it to happen would have been christmas day or mm-hmm. christmas morning or something would yeah. have been the only worst day we could think of that happening or easter or something yeah. right so all saints day where they're gathered in church it's almost like god caused it to happen that day i don't think that i'm not mm-hmm. necessarily a strict calvinist or a strong calvinist determinist mm-hmm. if, if people are that's up to them but he obviously allowed it to happen on a pretty bad day and here's mm-hmm. something that i would present <clears throat> so there it was a huge discussion back then mm-hmm. and it was a sort of a new discussion in the sense that the theodicies that theodicies that people had embraced in the classical world and through the medieval period were mostly the same you had augustine and bothius and a number of others and then leibniz came along and he had the best of all worlds and so his 
in the middle of the uh, Enlightenment or towards its peak, mm -hmm. where there was a lot of philosophical discussion and reflection and criticism of Christianity. And so here's this earthquake happens in the midst of this discussion. And mm -hmm. so there's yep. a lot of opinions thrown out there about that. You have John Edwards who said, well, um, the natural world is the artwork on which God is painting his canvas mm, of history and his relationship, yeah. you know. Um, George Whitfield came and said that it's being framed falsely. Is the discussion was including by Voltaire, who was not exactly a Christian. Um, the discussion was being framed as, look, here's a lot of Christians, God's people in church worshiping mm -hmm. him. Yeah. And that's when he throws the churches mm -hmm. down on him. And yeah. Whitfield had just been there. George Whitfield had been there a couple years before and said, no, it's, it's no place of faith. These mm -hmm. people are idolatrous. He called it superstitious droll. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, that's one point to think about is let's hold on a second. Was it really the time? What, you know, it makes the situation worse when we say these were God's people who were worshiping him. And it was this sort of, state of purity right. uh, where the church was mm -hmm. gathered together praying or something yeah. you know and it's maybe that's not quite the case however that doesn't really alleviate right. the stress and the pain of it. it's like <laughs> exactly. oh okay well i guess it's okay they didn't no it doesn't yeah. fix that it's right. still it's still terrible and the word you used was gratuitous mm -hmm. and for everybody listening gratuitous evil is is so much evil that it's beyond what is useful for bringing about some good so the mm -hmm. this People arguing with a theodicy will say, well, maybe evil exists because, because God is using it for mm -hmm. some higher good or something, right. right? And so they say, okay, you might be able to make the case with some. Like maybe just one earthquake and, and the really, you know, the, the guy that was in jail, the jail collapses. Mm -hmm. And that's just a right. warning to everybody or something. But yeah. this is gratuitous in the sense that this is far beyond what is necessary to help mm -hmm. people in their faith. And so that's gratuitous evil. But maybe what you're saying is that gratuitous evil isn't really a qualifier because uh, in God's plan, he can make anything. He yeah. can make even that for the betterment. Right. Yeah, so I have a, an appendix on this, and I've thought about where to include it if I ever revise it. So my own opinion on gratuitous is that all of this that's happening is seen within the context of the plan even beyond this world after it's destroyed, after the judgment happens, after mm -hmm. the resurrection into the new creation. Since all, all acts are judged mm -hmm. and everything's purified, we'll know about all of it in the judgment, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything is gratuitous in judgment in the sense of hell, right? In that sense, um, mm -hmm. it's useless. It didn't bring about, any good change in the people that God is judging. And that's a hard thing to think about. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's a hard truth, right? Um, none of it was gratuitous in the sense that all of it will be used to bless those who are in Christ forever. So mm. it, to whatever degree terrible things are happening, every, every single moment of it is being recorded. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. He's actively recording and paying attention, right? Mm. And he said, behold, I am with you always, you know even into the end of the age. Um, what he's talking about is that his spirit is present with us, preserving us through these difficulties. He says, you will have tribulation, you will have difficulties, mm -hmm. preserving us and carrying us through these things, always with a view of what's coming, mm. right? Um, we see that actually all the way back in the first sin in the garden. Help me to circle back later if I go on a rabbit trail. Again, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll make But notes. if you're going back to the garden, okay? Mm -hmm. When Adam and Eve sin, they... Shame, name, and blame. Mm -hmm. 
they cower in shame and they hide because right. they realize that something's wrong and they're naked and they hide, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're ashamed. They name and blame. Adam blames his wife mm-hmm. and the wife blames the serpent, but they're both blaming God. Right. But God's very patient with them. Mm-hmm. And so he's, but he's forward looking. So he asks them about what happened, but he doesn't spend the next six, eight, whatever thousands of years civilization has been around mm-hmm. just looking back. He's always looking right. forward and mm-hmm. saying, look, this is what's next. So he, be, before he curses them, he gives them the hope of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. He curses Satan, but he says in Genesis 3.15 that um, the child will bruise your heel, right? Or mm-hmm. excuse me, you will bruise his heel and he will crush your yeah. head, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, yes. I yeah. And what then what he, was the name of the, the, like the Latin name of that? Proto-Evangelium. proto the first, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the first showing of uh, <clears throat> the gospel, right? Uh-huh. So he makes a promise. He says, I'm forward-looking here. And then after he gives them the curses, he slaughters the first animal, the first sacrifice, and then he covers them with his righteousness, so to say, and then he's covering up their shame yeah. with that first mm-hmm. sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So throughout all of Scripture, he's always forward-looking. Look, this is what I'm going to do. This mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do. Okay. And that's it's if we're caught up in the present that's you know it's it's a fact of it okay i'm Mm -hmm. not saying that we shouldn't be thinking about the here and now Mm -hmm. and considering how things are difficult right because god did he came into the present he came into the here and now he entered into it right it's his Mm -hmm. presence that's bringing about the solution Mm -hmm. for the sake of guiding us towards what's to come Mm -hmm. and so we're entering into these situations with both the incarnation as a model for our presence in difficulty and then but also forward looking in how all of this is consummated mm. nothing is gratuitous in the sense that every single moment a cold a stub toe everything mm-hmm. is used to bless for eternity right mm. but um interesting even yeah. but in judgment in hell every moment is honestly is kind of wasted like any good act anybody did if it wasn't in christ then it's gone and it's wasted and that's again that's a hard thing if you want to talk about it i'd love to but that's um, interesting yeah no actually let me just talk about it now because yeah, go that's, ahead. that's yeah. what people want to hear is well i don't like the idea of hell mm-hmm. judgment hell is not popular these days mm-hmm. and i sat on that one for a long time as i was writing and i mm-hmm. had to pause yeah and evaluate my own feelings towards this because it's hard to write that some people are going to hell. And I studied it a lot. I looked at universalism and uh, yeah. conditionalism, which is people uh, are burned up. And, you oh, know, is that what it, okay. Annihilationalism. I've heard it, annihilation yeah, that's what I've uh-huh. heard, yeah. Yeah, so annihilationalism, I, I, there's some arguments for it, and I think it should be, cons- I think it should mm-hmm. be part of the discussion. You have some big-name theologians mm-hmm. like N.T. Wright and... Really? Uh, Blush, yeah. Yeah, that, I, didn't, I didn't realize yeah. N.T. Wright was in it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, take a look and... Yeah. I don't know if he has anything published on it, but I think right. somewhere he's he's commented on it. Yeah. And major authors made you know they they usually don't make a big deal about it because it's somewhat controversial. But right. but I think it's worth taking a look at. Edward mm-hmm. Fudge's book was one of the biggest that came out, and mm-hmm. and it, universalism I don't think is quite there yet. They don't have a universalism yeah. is that in hell everybody will come to Christ to belief in Christ. Oh, okay. Uh, there's not. There isn't. This really is not the same for... as universal Unitarianism. No, it's not. Okay. It's, so <laughs> even, even yeah, evangelical else. universalism is everybody will believe in Christ eventually. Uh, okay. Yeah, universalism, Unitarian universalism, is yeah. every way is the uh, a different road to the same destination. Yeah. kind of. Thing. I've heard a lot of uh, just music, uh, like musicians, Christian musicians, go the universal route. They're kind of oh, you know, this 
it's just interesting. I've like a lot of these guys I follow um, have come to this <laughs> idea of universalism, like, well, oh, everyone's really? going to get saved in the end. So, yeah. you know, anyways. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, random. to me, it's, is it biblical? Is it biblical? <clears throat> what is, I, I think yeah. this is God's revelation and he's mm-hmm. telling us these things. If it's there, it's there. I studied it. I read through uh, McDonald's book. I've looked at it elsewhere. I didn't quite see a good case for it. Mm-hmm. There's a case there for nihilationalism. I, I'm still sort of defaulting on the mm-hmm. you know traditional evangelical position. Yeah. So the point is that I'm not finding a version of hell that I like because it makes me a little more comfortable with uh, with it. Mm-hmm. That's you know I'm I'm willing to remain uncomfortable with the idea because I think God is uncomfortable mm-hmm. with people, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So why does He do it? Um, there are a number of reasons, you know, with, without going into a whole other podcast about the existence mm-hmm. of hell, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and there's um, the ultimate fate of people and the ultimate source of life is in him, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on which denomination you're in and how the experience of hell will be, whether it's actually fire or not, hell is the experience of not knowing him, right? And so we, we think about now and the difficult things that we go through, and it's in a sense sort of like a little taste and a little bit of a warning of what it would be like to absolutely not have him forever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So the some will say it's a complete absence of it, God in relationship with him. But. This, this is almost sounding like The Great Divorce. Uh, by C, is that mm-hmm. Great Divorce C.S. Lewis where mm-hmm. he talks about almost say um, an in-between world or whatever, yeah. you know, the Catholics call that. Um, I forget the name. A purgatory. A purgatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just like a godless world, and it's yeah. not like people are burning, right? But they just don't have God. Yeah. So the weeping. <clears throat> some say it is weeping and gnashing of teeth in response uh-huh. to God. Some yeah. say the fires are metaphorical for judgment because yeah, the outside there used to be a, a Megiddo, right? They'd have the mm-hmm. Valley of Megiddo, and there was a trash heap, and the trash heap was always burning, and they actually threw thieves out on yeah, the trash wow. heap and it was extremely mm-hmm. dishonoring yeah extremely shameful your family's name would be shamed you know is is extremely difficult for people to deal with so that's the metaphor that's used for hell mm-hmm. as a strong warning to people that i you know you're thrown away right but it's others are saying that the weeping and gnashing of teeth is about the full knowledge of understanding what we've missed out on and i i kind of lean towards that myself um because at the judgment, everything is revealed. All th- things done in secret, people's own conscience will testify against them, mm-hmm. right? It's almost as if like we're in a trial and we could put our conscience up on as a witness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God yeah. would ask our conscience. Mm-hmm. Nobody's conscience would be able to say, yes, I was perfect. And right. I absolutely deserve your glory, right? Right. So nobody can come to God and say, you owe me this. Mm-hmm. Because it's heaven is often disconnected from God's glory. Heaven is an existence of being face-to-face with him. Heaven Mm -hmm. and earth are combined. It is an experience of being with him. And all of this ties together of, you know, he's a personal God and it's about the relationship. Mm -hmm. Hell is the place where there's a full knowledge of what's being missed out on and because it's their own fault, right? Mm -hmm. And of course I know immediately whoever's listening to this will say, oh, how is it fair, et cetera? Like I say in my reflection on on that hell chapters, I don't know the full potency of God's sovereignty and judgment and grace yet. Mm-hmm. So I cannot help people to feel better about it. Right. Again, that's not the point. I do feel terrible about it. I don't yeah. want anybody to experience that. 
And I also think that God doesn't want anybody mm-hmm. to experience it. Yeah. But I do know that two things, every knee will bow. Mm-hmm. He says that every knee will bow, even those who have that destiny of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I wouldn't, there's no one, he's impartial. There's no one more fair mm-hmm. than God in this judgment. Yeah. So those two pictures show we'll all agree that this judgment is great right mm-hmm. now. I might not think so. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I guess, yeah. you know, it's, I'm going forward with what he's told me knowing that it's kind of difficult for me to deal with, yeah. you know, but I'm again, we're forward with looking and, and understanding that all of this is pointing towards w- what his goal is. Mm. And he's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to comfort me and he's going to help me to understand why exactly this must take place in this way. Mm. Right. And from there I have a hard time. Well then why is the, the spirit only calling this number and not this number? And that's honestly, it's a faith issue. I, mm. I know you're good. I believe you're good. And I go forward knowing that you're doing good things. First of all, that you even are redeeming any of us. Mm-hmm. He could have destroyed us, but right. he actually experienced evil and suffering with mm-hmm. us to redeem us. And so I, I can see that he's good. Yeah. And I'm going to go forward. I go, I'll see you'll, you'll explain it someday. So yeah. may have opened a can of worms with that one, but yeah, no, that's, that's really powerful. I, you, you had me thinking about something else here because you talk about goodness and I was, as I was preparing for this, I thought it'd be fun to watch some uh, problem of evil videos from atheists. Mm-hmm. And I found something uh, that uh, public broadcasting posted in the PBS, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like a, their religion series. And uh, they essentially said, um, you know, well, how they just brought it back to the, the, the old fashioned, you know, there's God is, how can God be these things and, mm-hmm. and there be evil in the world? And something that I remember, I, I can't, don't know who said it, so I'll have to just quote, and if someone knows out there, post it in the comments. But um, he said, the, the real problem isn't the problem of evil, but it's the problem of good. And yeah. so, you know, it's like, how can we have good without, you know, if, yeah. we, if we just came into existence, there's really no moral law. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, something that I did write down that, uh, William Lane Craig said, he said, evil is a privation, a lack of order and goodness. So it's an absence of right order in the creaturely will. Mm-hmm. Evil does not have positive ontological status. Yeah. And I don't exactly know what ontological status Ontological means. is like the physical, no, maybe not physicals, uh, <clears throat> the real nature of things, mm-hmm. the intrinsic nature of things. And so what he's saying is that evil doesn't have its own sort of material being it's not it's not like it's an actual animal or something mm, you know some people will yeah. say satan you know is the origin of it but it's mm-hmm. and that's the point i make in mind when i define it is he says perversion right mm-hmm. and i use the word corruption just because pervert is a loaded word these days yeah, but uh-huh. it's yeah. a corruption of the good the good mm-hmm. was created it was called good by god it's called beautiful mm-hmm. And evil is the corruption of that so that we still have a will, but our will is turned away from God to ourself, to idolatry, to selfishness, to whatever. Mm -hmm. We still have bodies, but our bodies are becoming corrupted and, you know, are moving towards destruction, right? Um, We still have desire, but our desire are for things that destroy or offend or, you know, our sin, Mm -hmm. right? So it's... Uh, the evil is corrupting what God originally intended is good. And that's where the restoration comes in as well, is that the, the remaking of everything is to remake it into good. But mm. You had a, you had something you were going towards with that? or Yeah, no, that's really good. Uh, and I could all, 
I think what I was saying is, you know, how do how does an atheist explain? Because like, they're asking Christians essentially to explain evil. Yeah. But how does an atheist explain good? Because they're right. they're evoking the name of good and evil. Right. Without any possible, you know, right. how can they do that? Right. <laughs> exactly. You they're know? invoking a moral standard it, and exactly, saying this is yeah. an absolute good. Mm-hmm. So why doesn't that happen all the time? When in reality, they have no standard for it. And that's William Lane Craig's big point. It's the moral argument mm-hmm. is, and I, I think Christians have pretty handily won that one in, in the debate circuit as yeah. it goes, you know, in the last 20 years is, it's true. You have to, the atheist would have to have um, a foundation to stand on to say we can be certain that this is good because of right and so what mm-hmm. christians are saying is you you can't establish that that's actually good and that's one of the things that i don't have it in my book but in thinking about gratuitous evil mm-hmm. for example if you're going to say that gratuitous evil is evidence that god is not present and he's not doing anything about evil then you'd have to say that gratuitous good is evidence that he is overwhelmingly good beyond what is necessary right Mm. and so there is gratuitous good as well Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is there are there is good that we don't even see or notice for example if we just did a national parks trip right Mm -hmm. and we just get to experience the odd beauty of nature and i was sitting there and thinking how many of these days the sunsets and you know, coincidences of um, different aspects mm, of nature coming yeah. together. Like I was in the Redwood once and I woke up in the middle of the night and it was a full moon and the rays of mm. moonlight were shining through the trees, wow. like rays I mean, very distinct pillars of light coming mm. through. And I was the only one that saw it. And if I hadn't woken mm. up at whatever, 12 o'clock, nobody would have seen it. So right. to me, that's a gratuitous good that n- nobody has, ex- has experienced. We can't even mm. measure because we're not there to see it. Right. right. So there, if we're going to, we have to be consistent. If we're going to say that gratuitous evil and suffering is evidence that God isn't active or he isn't good, huh. then you have to say that gratuitous good is evidence that he is good. And so now we have this balance that we're working out here and trying to find it. And in, in the life of Christ, what we see is he experiences evil. He, he, gratu- he didn't deserve any of it, mm-hmm. right? Beyond what he deserved. I wouldn't define it as gratuitous, but beyond what he deserved right but then he did far beyond what was mm-hmm. you know people deserved right mm-hmm. when he's um feeding the five thousand there's seven basketfuls and 12 basketfuls depending on which story it's over and abundant mm-hmm. as wastefully abundant and good he's like I'll, I'll give you give you what you need and then way overboard on mm-hmm. it right mm-hmm. and so what we see there is the the beginning of the the reversal of the situation where mm-hmm. we have a gratuitously good God who's abundantly good in all these ways, yeah. beginning a process of restoration and all of it starts and ends with his people. Mm-hmm. I would say it all of it starts and ends with Christ, yeah. but the project of <laughs> fixing all of this starts and ends with his people. And I think that there will be one last person. This is chapter four. I don't know if you've gotten there, but there will be one last person that is saved and it says in Romans 8 that it's through the people of God that the redemption of all creation happens. And so it's mm. it all focuses around redeeming people. That's why mm-hmm. he's waiting. That's why he's active to the degrees that he is. Mm-hmm. I think that he answers prayer and we aren't praying enough. And, you know, mm. there's all kinds of ways to go about this, but that's yeah. what it revolves around. Um, yeah, but, which I would c- consider to be a gratuitous good, you know, because yeah. we, he doesn't have to do that. Yeah. You know, in Romans it says we have the Father, or, you know, 
can't remember, but by who by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So mm-hmm. He's not only saving us from the mistake we've made in the fall, but adopting us yeah. as children and giving us this opportunity to live in eternity with Him. Yeah. That's, that's the true scandal, right? And that's yeah. what people talk about the scandal of the cross is, wait a second, mm-hmm. I don't deserve this, yeah. right? And that's <clears throat> that's one of those perspective shifts is sometimes, not always, but sometimes the question can come from, well, I believe that we as humans deserve a certain form of treatment by mm-hmm. him. And if we sort of flip that to understand that he's in Christ, right? You'll see this when atheists talk about this. They're never talking about Christ. They're talking about God. But in Christ, he's revealing how good he is. And that's why Jesus is the solution. Personally, as a person, Mm. the solution to the problem of evil, because it's in him that we see he's loving us and blessing us far beyond um, what we deserve. Mm -hmm. And that's the true scandal that the one person who didn't sin, who didn't cause evil, paid for all of it himself. For the sake of bringing people that could experience the glory of God, could worship Him, be in awe of Him forever. I mean, that's, we don't deserve that at all. And so, as Christians, I think we need to remember to keep focusing on that, right? Because He's forward looking. And um, when, you know, the the title of it is Act of God, and there's been a a few people have said, well, I don't see how He's active. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what's happening there, you know, after they read it. Well, right. I, I didn't see how he was active. I, I don't know exactly what they're wondering, but I, I'm curious if they saw that it was in Christ that God is being active. That's his activity. It starts with Christ, and it affects the created mm-hmm. world and his people. And um, I worry sometimes because I wonder if people are starting the book wanting to hear well, yeah, he's active right now. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> how, is, how is he fixing the situation? And, man, and I, again, I emphasize, yeah. it's important as Americans we realize um, he experienced pain. He went through, he cried when Lazarus mm, died. Yeah. John the Baptist, he was sad. He went off to mourn, to be mm-hmm. with God, to pray, because it, it was difficult. When he's in the Garden of Gethsemane facing the separation of God, he, he was asking God to take the cup from him because he didn't want to experience it. I mean, he was, his experiences of sadness and mm. evil are very human. Yeah. And I think that he's identifying with us. And I, I think that one of the things we need to focus on Americans is to take some time to mourn and be sad, mm-hmm. you know, and not yep. be so quick to try to fix it yep. so that we can get back to quote unquote normalcy or mm-hmm. whatever it is. But yeah, yeah. I, um, I don't want to talk too much about obviously the shooting that happened, but I think that's you know that's probably at the top of both of our minds. Mm-hmm. And um, it, there was for the listeners, this will come out later, but the shooting in Texas at a school. Um, and I think it's yeah, we're quick to want to see as Christians how this can come back to good. <clears throat> we want to see it like post haste, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. let's. You know, and there are stories of that, like, oh, my daughter was diagnosed with cancer, but then she went through this thing and my neighbors saw how she she acted and then they got saved. And wow, look how the Lord worked. Um, Something that my pastor Kenner mentioned at church a few weeks ago is that you might not live to see the good that comes out of it. You know, Mm -hmm. and what I love about what you're saying is that you can see the good of what God, the active God because he he's done it already mm-hmm. like he's his heart breaks for what he knows is gonna you know if you if you don't subscribe to open 
Theism, yeah. Theism, uh-huh. yeah. The, he knows this, this is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and he dies for this pain yeah. that's going to happen 2,000 years later at a right. school, right? Um, and uh, just because I mentioned that, I just want to... Yeah, so I've been <clears throat> thinking about this. Well, teaching in class on the problem of evil mm-hmm. when this happens. I really had to take a day last week um, to really think and pray about this. So the first thing before I get into that is that... Um, that God is going to use, or he allowed it, and you know, a stronger Calvinist will say that he even ordained it to mm-hmm. happen to bring about some other good. Not that I don't think that that's true and that God can't do that. I would just be careful mm-hmm. in situations because in the midst of difficult pain, especially immediately afterwards, yeah. saying that to someone, especially to a parent who's lost a child, mm-hmm. uh, it's it can be very hurtful, yes. right? And so mm-hmm. there's a time for it. Yeah. And I'd also say... I myself would not say it unless I knew exactly what it was, right. unless I knew it for sure and that God and what good God was mm-hmm. bringing about because it can become kind of hypothetical. It's like, well, God broke my leg. So, you know, this mm-hmm. or that could happen. And it's like, he, he yeah. seems kind of nefarious. Like God can't accomplish those things without mm-hmm. this terrible disaster. Right. And that's mm-hmm. where the, the critic will come back and say, so God can't do those things without mm-hmm. this massive, terrible right. event, you know? And so I hesitate on that yeah. theodicy. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, it's useful to the degree that it's appropriate, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. Like, yeah. Cause I think, every, yeah, you know, if we think <laughs> our hearts are broken right now yeah. for, for what's happening and it's, it's hard to, there's a lot of Christianese that yeah. <laughs> yeah. comes up and it, it's and I wanted to get helpful. out of some of these platitudes because yeah. I would not say that mm-hmm. to families in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's the time for it. So this, mm-hmm. I, I do want to say this about how to respond initially to this terrible shooting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in a high school for 10 years. My kids are in elementary school. My wife works in an elementary school. So it kind of hits home. It's a constant kind of in the back of your mind worry. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I, I realized I felt nauseous from this. It's mm-hmm. horrific, mm-hmm. horrendous, awful. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that we kind of need to pause. I think it's an American specific issue, but also a human one. Mm. We need to pause and actually take time to just be sad and mourn it. Yeah. And so what I'm doing is I'm off the news. Mm. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um, When people talk about it, all I'm doing for 21 days is 21 families directly affected Mm. for 21 days. I'm spending a day for each family just to pray about it. I don't wow. want to get in. You get online, it's all politics and divisive, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And this, I think that the first thing we need to do is just be really sad. Mm. Just mourn the fact that this actually happened and keeps happening. It's extremely difficult, mm. right? And b- the reason I think that that's really important is because if we don't do that, we're going to miss a God who is doing that. Mm. I think that God wow. wants to meet us in the morning and the sadness, not explanations, mm. not difficulties uh, or theodicies, just meet with us. Mm. Like I cried and I wanted God in the spirit to just sit with me and help me cry yeah. because this is horrible. Right. And, um, to me, I'm looking at what's happening in our society. You know, I read the news a few days after I, I'm not saying that there aren't solutions and that there were obvious totally, issues mm-hmm. that happen at, in that. Right. But I, myself, I'm not, I'm over here in Oregon. I'm not involved in a solutions or anything. 
Um, what I what I have a problem with and a little bit frustrated with is that we've deferred to politicians, delegated mm. to politicians, our moral standard and our had them made them the source of our solutions. Mm-hmm. They're the first people that we yep. go to to be our voice box yeah. and to speak for solutions. And what's happening is the name, shame, and blame, right? Yeah. Just right back wow. in the garden is our response is we either go on the defense, right, um, depending on which party, or we name and shame and, or, and blame um, whoever's fault we think this is and mm-hmm. use it as an opportunity to come up with a solution that we want. And it's, you know, that political party or that political mm-hmm. party. And we've suddenly gone into politics and no offense to politicians, but there's a reason why corruption and politician is almost synonymous in our society so much so that we make crack jokes about it because right. it's just expected that politicians corrupt and they're the moral standard we're appealing to. I don't think this is always the case, but I think that it's feeding the divisiveness in mm-hmm. our society and that there's a third way and that Christians can step out of it and say, you know what? I'm not, people are going to invite me into this conversation. It's already happened a few times. You know, isn't it ridiculous that these people did that or said that and this mm-hmm. side said that? Yeah. I was watching, I was at the gym and I was watching CNN and Fox News side by side. Mm-hmm. And I, I just couldn't believe it. I just yeah. got off of it. I was like, I can't take this. Mm-hmm. Even the way they talk about it, you know, on CNN, it's the Texas shooting. On Fox mm-hmm. News, it's the Uvalde shooting. Even the way they're trying to portray a community, mm-hmm. it's all Texas's fault. Everybody in Texas is implicated in this, mm-hmm. right? Or it's uh democrats yeah. passed this law whatever years ago and, and it's just like can we just pull back yeah. and just be human and i think that's part of the problem yeah. is can we just treat each other like human beings who hurt in our pain mm. and that's not me speaking as like a wannabe therapist that's god's model yeah he he spoke to job and he spoke to his prophets but he entered into the situation mm-hmm. to help us carry the pain and to feel it himself. He yeah. knows what it's like to lose like this. Mm-hmm. He dealt with kids, mm-hmm. you know, and cried with parents. And that's what he wants to do. We enter into the situation. I'm this far away. I'm just going to be sad. And whoever mm-hmm. wants to be sad with me can. And if if there's some way I can help through a GoFundMe, which I've seen, mm-hmm. then I'm going to help. Yeah. And that's as much as I can do. And for the first 21 days, that's what yeah. I'm going to do. 21 days, I might pop back in on the news and see but i have a feeling i'm just Just what am i going to do about it all i have is a vote and i'll read about it before the election and you know but anyways it's modeled after god incarnate Mm -hmm. he didn't stay up in heaven and throw morsels of ideas and hope that we get it right and Mm -hmm. leave us alone he came into the situation he's present and helping us carry it in the spirit. If we don't believe that, then we're going to miss what the solution to the problem of evil is. Yeah. Well, that's the end of part one of this episode. Uh, We hope you can come back to listen to part two, where Jared and I circle back to the problem of evil, and we talk about how to join and come alongside those who are suffering and, and what that can and biblically should look like.